A little flexibility can go a long way. By refinancing your newer used auto loan with PenFed, you can lower your monthly payments for more flexibility in your budget. You can even schedule your first payment for up to 60 days from the date of your refinance. Calculate how much you could save at PenFed.org slash autorefi or call 1-800-247-5626 to apply. Membership is open to everyone. To receive any advertised product, you must become a member of PenFed, insured by NCUA. stupid pink shirts in the bin. At least we've finally got something that Real Madrid and Barca fans can agree on. Welcome to El Tell and John's La Liga weekly where La Real, Real Sociedad lead the way. Of course it's a conspiracy. Did you see the refereeing in their game at Betis? There is, ladies and gentlemen, a Sandro goal alert. Yes, Sandro Ramirez has scored. I repeat, Sandro Ramirez has scored. The man is a machine. The new Cristiano Ronaldo. Zidane made four substitutions at halftime during Real Madrid's defeat against Cadiz in order to introduce four other demotivated, indolent blokes. Anthony Lozano's shot span and bobbled into the net and into history. Barcelona were elbowed aside, literally, by Getafe, or as they were known this weekend, fe, which is Spanish for faith. And this makes possibly less sense than the La Liga TV promo, which has as its main viewpoint character a sprinkler. Nothing is right in the world anymore. I'm typing these words and I feel I could literally just type any other words in any random order and it would make more sense. Uh, Villarreal a second. Obviously, Danny Parejo would score the winner. Thank heavens he didn't celebrate, otherwise those cardboard cutout fans might have rioted. <laughs> you know how violent people get when they when they get really angry. You know Tony Sanapi who ripped his own shirt in, a, in an obvious act of violence. I'm telling you, it's a thing. Real Sociedad have got it all stitched up, a bit like Sanabria's shirt. Uh, Atleti won in Vigo. Celta's manager, Oscar Garcia, said he was pleased with the match, somewhat missing the point of football. Uh, Granada beat Sevilla. Elche beat Alaves, which says that Alaves must be really bad. Uh, Athletic Club won. Phew, says Garitano. Abar played Osasuna. We'll save you some time on that one. So thank you. Uh, to everybody who is listening, thank you very much, obviously, to the Patreons. We have some Patreons, patreon.com slash LTEL. Uh, we've done a couple of Patreon-only bits, and we'll do something else later in the week because it's obviously a big week of European football coming up, so there'll be something for the Patreons on that. But we remain here. Terry, we will still be looking back at La Liga uh, every week for everybody who wants to come and listen. And dear me, what a, what a weekend in, in uh, La Liga, it hasn't gone goal crazy, but in terms of the outcomes, in terms of trying to predict score lines, poof, where do we start? I know, it's an incredible story. I think we, we started the weekend off with the four Champions League teams playing um, on the Saturday. So it was a, a good round of fixtures for people that were watching La Liga TV, La Liga TV and watching the games. And, you know, you look at the, the outcomes of the games, <laughs> I think it's fair to say we, you know, we wasn't predicting... Those results, um, obviously, there is a, a, a debate now, isn't there, over the, the how effective the international breaks are in terms of players coming back. And, and the teams that don't have as many international players, they really do have an advantage. If they use the two weeks well, it's almost like a, a mini pre-season. They have a, a, an opportunity to, to build up their levels of fitness. They have an opportunity to plan a strategy in terms of the the first game back after the international break, whereas the likes of, you know, Sevilla, Atletico Madrid, Real Madrid and Barcelona all played on the Saturday. 
they've got players coming back from all parts of the, the world, you know, South Americans coming back. They're not, there's probably, very, there's probably no training. I mean, the South Americans coming back after playing on Wednesday night, late Wednesday night, they won't get back till Thursday at some stage. Um, in training on Friday, there's there's nothing they can do. They'd be recovering. Um, it'd be what the, you call a warm-up, a, 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 almost a warm-down before they play on Saturday. So that that's the advantage. Those teams like Granada, Celta couldn't take advantage. Cadiz certainly did and Hatafe did. So I think that's something now with this congested season um, that we are going to have to you know look at how it's going to impact the, the season as a whole. And I, I've no doubt that was the reason we saw, you know, three of the results that we saw on Saturday. So shall we, shall we get into the meeting? Where shall we start? I think were, were Real Madrid the worst of the, the big teams that lost? Yeah, because they've lost to at home against the team clearly that they should be beating, against a team that not one single player would get into the Real Madrid squad, let alone the starting lineup. I think if you look at Sevilla, they're away to Granada. Granada are a decent team. That, there's no doubt about that. You know, where they finished last season, how they've started this season. Beat Barcelona at home last year. They've had good results, good players, good coach. Difficult game for Sevilla. Atletico got their result at Celta. Hatafe Barcelona. I know Barcelona normally win at Hatafe, but on the back of the international break and a new manager and, and things not as fluent as they should be. It's not a massive surprise to see that it was a tough game and Hatafe got the got eventually got the win with a penalty. But I think that the Real Madrid game stands out a mile because you know they're playing a team at home that are finding their feet in the league. They're, they're surprising people, but when you look at them, I think they're quite limited in, in terms of individual talent. But as a collective, they're, they're, they're as I say, they're well coached. They know what they're doing. Um, but for Real Madrid to to lose at home, and it wasn't just the defeat. I mean. You, you could have a game like Hatafe Barcelona, where Barcelona had all the play, all the you know the possession and stuff, and Hatafe nick it with a penalty, for instance. But that wasn't the case with the Real Madrid performance. It should have been three or four nil at half time to Cadiz, all the way through it, right from the kickoff. You're thinking, are they going to wake up or what? Are they going to take advantage of the fact that Cadiz have Cadiz have missed a couple of chances already? You know, are they going to take the warning? Um, and they didn't. And then at half time, we saw the, the four changes and still, you know, very little improvement. The improvement in the second half of Real Madrid came about because Cadiz um, took off Lozano. They went slightly more defensive. They invited Real Madrid on. And, and do you know what? They defended that 1 0 lead comfortably. Whereas in the first half, you know, they got the goal and there were there were two. I mean, Ramos cleared one off the line in the opening minutes from Negredo. Then there was other opportunities. And then Cadiz was slightly wasteful on their final finish or their final pass to a teammate in a better position. And it was it was utterly ridiculous how easy it was for Cadiz to regain, uh, retain possession, to make progress up the pitch and find an opening. And again, it was Courtois. Um, it was responsible for keeping the scoreline down in the in the first half. I think I expected, most people expected, in the second half, you know, even without the changes, the Real Madrid starting eleven would play better and would find a way to get back in the game. And I thought it was inevitable that they would improve, inevitable that they would score, and probably inevitable that with still half a game to go, they'd still win the game. But that that wasn't wasn't the case. It was a a performance that was slow, that was lacklustre, it was complacent, 
Um, it was the worst I've seen a Real Madrid team play for a long, long time. Bear in mind the circumstances at, at home against a team newly promoted. We've seen them play bad in the past. They, they lost to Mallorca last season. They were newly promoted. But I think this performance at home was was worse than, than, than what we've seen for some while. So, as I say, those factors I talked about, about players returning back from international duty... Um, but we haven't seen Real Madrid hit top form so far this season, and but they've found you know ways to not concede chances, not concede goals, to just do enough in terms of winning games, you know, taking the opportunities at the other end. But in in this game, that they you know they 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 failed on on all those, and you know Cadiz certainly you know deserved the win, probably by a bigger scoreline. And I think we're talking about 111 years history. That's the first time. They've ever, ever won away from home against Real Madrid. So, congratulations to them. It was a incredible story. You mentioned that home form, but I'm not sure. Does home form mean anything? Because again, this weekend we had four in La Liga, four home wins, four away wins, two draws, um, and and you look around everywhere without the fans. It would seem that you know the evidence is looking pretty strong that the that home advantage is having fans there. Yeah, I just think maybe I'm making the, the, the point that it, it's, you know, Real Madrid at home against Cadiz, who, you know, it would expect at the start of the season, as most newly promoted teams do generally, you know, to, to, to struggle this season. So perhaps home, form, home advantage isn't a massive thing, but I think it just adds to the story that, you know, this is a, a, a an extraordinary result. You know, it's a giant killing result. Um, massive underdogs, Cadiz. And, you know, to come away with a win in an impressive fashion. Let's talk about how good they were. Um, you know, you look at their team, we've seen Alex Fernandez getting the better over his brother. And they were playing in direct, directly against each other as well. Alex Fernandez playing out wide on the left, up against his brother on the right. It was, uh, I mean, his, his older brother. I mean, but Nacho's 30 now. So I think there is still some issues regarding the squad at Real Madrid. Um, there's no doubt they've allowed some talented players to leave, but there there is. I was surprised there weren't wasn't more action taken in the transfer window in terms of players leaving the club. I mean, Lucas Vasquez came in and played again. He's 29 now, and you know, do they really need him to to still be in the squad as backup and occasionally be used? Nacho is playing because he's good backup and he's covering Carvajal and Andrea Zola who are injured. So it, it, that that little part of the squad maybe needed freshening up with some some new players, you know, whether it was young ones coming through or you know going out and buying players to to, to fulfil their roles. So there was maybe a complacency might cost Real Madrid this season in in terms of not just their form on the pitch, but in terms of bringing play, new players into the club. Uh, so obviously it was a great opportunity for Barcelona to take advantage of Real Madrid having lost, and then they went to Hetafe and lost themselves by. A goal to nil. I mean, away to Hetafe is is not the is not an embarrassment anymore, but you know, still problems with with Barcelona. So, what's your verdict, Terry? Well, it's headline news. It has to be, John, because the the you're probably looking at a Hetafe lineup that whose weekly salary combined doesn't cost as much as Messi. So th- then you add Griezmann and, and players like that on top of the wage bill, then it, it's still a massive result in terms of a underdog victory and a, a giant killing. It was an age-old problem for me regarding Barcelona in this game and something that Ronald Koeman is, is, has probably seen in the past, you know, watching from wherever he's been, watching Barcelona, because I'm sure he has done. 
Um, when a team play like Hatafe and they play a back, narrow back four, <clears throat> and then you have the likes of Alan Neum and Mark Kukurea, they just drop in as fullbacks. So effectively, you end up against a team that's willing to allow possession and plays a back six. And if you are going to go wide, where there might be a little bit more space because the back four are narrow, and you're going to cross the ball into the penalty area, then Hatafe, with their you know central defenders, will believe that hey, do you know what that's what we want. Go wide, knock it into the box, and our players, you know, such as Jenna and Eric Kabako, it was at the weekend, Alan Neon will join in, Damien Suarez, Oliveira, we'll outjump you, we'll win the headers, and we'll block you that way. And this goes all the way back to Pep Guardiola. You know, I, I see it was, it was a familiar tactic from a lot of teams that played a narrow back four, two wide midfield players, almost deep enough to be called fullbacks. Um, on the on the team sheet at the start, uh, no doubt it would look like a back four and a midfield four, but it, it, it often wasn't. And and this is something that Ronald Koeman is going to have to to deal with. Um, do they have, you know, someone like Luis Suarez that can throw the ball into the penalty area? I mean, Griezmann is pretty good in the air, so that that you know might be you know a solution. Um, but he needs to be in better form than than what we've seen. As regards the the ta- tactics from Hatafe that have received a lot of criticism. Um, I, I have no problem with it. As I said to you if, just now, if, if you've got a squad that doesn't cost as much in wages as one player at Barcelona, you, if within your resources, you have to do whatever you can to try and win a game of football. You joked about Oscar Garcia, the Celta manager. Yeah, completely different philosophies. Borderless will do whatever it takes. His players will do whatever it takes. The problem then is the referee has to make sure that a line yeah, isn't which crossed. Which did. Surely, with that. Uh, uh, unbelievable. Eight, eight, I mean, he, he alone, eight fouls. I noticed that after about 70 minutes. So he had to rein it in. He got one yellow card. I thought it should be a clear red card offence on Messi. The, the elbow on Messi. Yeah. The elbow yeah. on Messi. That, was, that wasn't one of those where, you know, I, and I see a lot again at the weekend. I think PK got booked for one in, this, in the same game where he went up and there, there was a brush of the tricep. It was at the elbow and there was no pain involved on the player. And I can't remember who the player was. The player went down there with his face and PK got booked. And it was it was no more than a central defender or any player jumping in the air, raising their arms to try and get elevation and a player making a taking advantage of it. The referee booked PK. And then you see Neon, he actually clotheslined. It's a clothesline, isn't it? It's a forearm smash into the face of Messi. And when you saw the replay, you, you're wondering how Messi... Didn't suffer some some damage with that because that yeah. was the type of injury, that type of challenge that could cause a fractured cheekbone, fractured eye yeah. socket, yeah. a broken nose, and and how VAR hasn't seen that. And I it's mean, it's, it's, it's a red card. Literally two and a half minutes to take that free kick. Um, so they obviously they looked at it, decided it wasn't, and then they all milled around. Messi didn't get a lot of treatment. He got up, didn't he? Didn't Incredible. He got. I mean, yeah. yeah. I mean, it, we 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 talk about all these attributes, but he's so strong, so resilient that it's low down on the list of his attributes. But it, to to get up, that was a full blooded smashing in the face, which yeah was blood, only done for one on. reason. There was, only, there was there was malice in that as well. So do you think it was? I think it's a red, regardless whether he meant it, um, because he, he tackles like that, doesn't he? He tackles where he gets his body in the way and sticks his elbow up. But obviously, he's, he's, he towers above Messi, so his elbow was, was sort of nose height. Either way, it's a red card, but do you think he deliberately elbowed him? Yes. Yeah. Yep. He's, his arm was uh, braced. 
That's how yeah. I reckon. Yeah. The one with the one that I was trying to describe with PK, his arm wasn't braced. Yeah. His arm was just jumping, you know. But when you you can tell when someone's arm is braced when you clench and you you lock it up and you know you're going to cause that 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 contact. Neon does clatter into people. He knocks people over. He is incredibly effective for Hatafe. And I have no problem with that. The problem I have is with the referee and the officiating has to make sure that that line isn't continually crossed. Eight, 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 eight fouls, one yellow card, and one serious enough to be a red card, which was unpunished with anything. That, that's where, if you're going to keep allowing it, Neom's going to keep doing it. He's within his rights. It, it doesn't please everybody. It is the underdog fighting against the, the, the giant. And he will do whatever it takes to win. Borderless will do whatever it takes to win. And if Neon can keep getting away with knocking people over, um, which is effectively what he does, and that's all he does, I don't want to be disrespectful because he does a fine job for Hetafe. His athleticism up and down the side of the pitch, his aggression down the side, all the way down the pitch, is is an important part of Hetafe's play. But it's up to the referees to, to make sure that line isn't crossed and that he isn't allowed to continue to... To you know, to, to break the laws of the game, and and if, if the referees don't punish him, he's going to com- continue to keep doing it. Um, can I, I've got a question to you from Daniel. Now, Daniel is one of our Patreons, so we're on Patreon.com/slash Ltel, uh, and he asked us a question. Is this the Pod Rocks? That's very nice of you to say so, Daniel. Uh, why doesn't Kuman play Messi in the hole in his four-two-three-one? He doesn't have the pace or the help of a right back with pace to play on the right wing. Yeah, no, I think that that's a, a point well made, and and also I think we we have to take into account. I think Messi does go there sometimes, so he'll go wherever it takes. Now, whether he should start in that position, it's it'd be interesting to see. I mean, at the weekend it was Pedri was given the opportunity to play in there, wasn't he? Mm. Messi was wider wider on the right. Pedri Pedri showed Pedri was one of the the, the big positives, wasn't he? Particularly in the first half. Um, and I think the other positive for Barcelona was Serginio Dest as well. So hopefully when he goes on the right side, um, when Jordi Alba is fit, then Barcelona might be helped by the fact they've got two wingers with pay, uh, two fullbacks. I've mistakenly said wingers. I'm not mistakenly. They are wingers. Yeah, <laughs> the two fullback stroke wingers playing, you know, with pace that gives them a balance that will be a threat on both sides of the pitch. Whereas at the game at the weekend, Dest was giving it. On the left, Sergio Roberto doesn't give you that threat on, on the right because he hasn't got the pace to trouble defenders. So that will help Barcelona in the future. But that, that's a great point made by Daniel that, I mean, it is, at least you can see Koeman as opposed to Kike Setien trying to plan something around Messi where the rest of the team has got a structure and he has the freedom to go and do whatever he wants. So I, I don't think it was a... a, a disastrous performance from Barcelona, far from it. Um, it was just one of those things that happens in football. You, you, you know, some nights you, you find it hard to break down a team as good as Hetafe. The problem was that, you know, they De Jong gives away a penalty. Um, and once Hetafe got the noses in front, then, you know, it was all, all hands to the pump. Everyone back behind the ball and, you know, defending with the determination we normally see from Hatafe. So I thought there were some positives for Barcelona. It wasn't a disastrous performance. A poor result, of course. But I think we, as, you know, we're, we're all beginning to see now we're going to get these results during the season. And do you know what? I'm thankful now that we get more of these games 
because you know five years ago, ten years ago, the the, the bigger clubs in this league had it all far too easy. Um, there's no doubt in that. But now with the, the you know the, the leveling up of the the teams throughout the league, the better coaching, you know the teams man, managers being more realistic and realizing that. We can't go and play Barcelona in our normal fashion. We can't go and play Real Madrid in our normal style. But if we do this and we do this and we do that, we might have a chance of being hard to beat. And who knows, we, we might pinch a draw, we might nick a win. And we, we're seeing that more and more now in, in this division. So, And also, we have to admit that the Barcelona and the Real Madrid are not the Barcelona and Real Madrid that we've seen you know, in, in previous years. So there's definitely levelling up and we're going to get more of these results. I don't imagine we're going to get too many Real Madrid nil Cadiz 1 results, but the likes of Sevilla going to Granada and Barcelona get beat by Hatafe, there are other teams in this league that will give, will, you know, give them problems when they go and play. I know it's no home advantage at the moment, but it's unfamiliar still. Um, so for Barcelona, you know, I'm looking at when they go to... You know, some other other teams in the league, I mean, the fresh BRL at home, but if they go to BRL away from home later in the season, we expect that to be a difficult game. So, you know, it's Huesca got a draw against Atletico Madrid at home. And we're going to see these results this year. So it's going to make for an interesting league. Do I imagine Real Sociedad and BRL leading at the end of the season? No, but who knows? Um, right, let's, let's rattle through some more. Uh, Granada beat Sevilla. Uh, Juan Jordan was sent off. <laughs> Just at the end of the first half, uh, Younger Herrera with a, a relatively late winner. Was the red card crucial or would Granada have got that result anyway? I think it's crucial. I mean, to play a half a game with 10 men does make a difference. Um, from then on, Sevilla were only in protection mode. So that was where the difference was in that game. And that encouraged Granada in the second half to, you know, just go on the attack. Um, and the substitutions were good from Granada as well. That led to them having more players... International players coming back from a break. I think, you know, you look at the subs that came on. Matches have been away in international duty. And the goal scorer, Yangel Herrera. So they came back late from South America. Didn't start the game. They would normally start. And then they came on in, in, the, in the second half and, and, and made a difference. And Herrera obviously getting the winning goal. So I think it was a poor performance from the start, though, from Sevilla. I thought they started too slowly. And they never really got into second gear. Ridiculous red card for... Jean Jourdain deserved. It was it was the right decision. Silly foul for the first one, which was dubious. That how you know, but the second one, he's I'm not sure what he's thinking, and his complaints. I mean, I, I watched it. I was watching it live, and and you see it. And you think the amount that he was complaining. I was thinking, well, this is you know, he genuinely thinks he's innocent. Let's have a look, see if it's going to be overturned by VAR. And when you saw it again, you're thinking, what have you done? <laughs> You've laid the ball off and just hacked an opponent down who happened to be somewhere near you when you wanted to make a run off the ball. So there was no doubt it was a yellow card, which led to him being sent off. So it was just a, a you know a pretty downbeat performance from Sevilla. They can't afford that when you're playing against, you know, as we said, one of the decent teams in the league, more than decent teams in, in Granada, who seized their opportunity and took it. Um, right, Atleti though did win, but without really a, a classic performance. It was Diego Simeone's 200th win of the Atleti boss in 330 games, which is quite an incredible record, isn't it? Uh, by contrast, Oscar Garcia has won six out of 32. He said he was pleased. He said he can't be pleased with the result. To be fair to him, I, I was being slightly uh, unfair in the, in the intro, but he did say he was pleased with how Celta Vigo had played, but they lost by two goals to nil. Suarez with an early one and Carrasco with a late one. 
Yep, and we got to see Costa and Suarez together. And I thought it showed potential, yep. to be perfectly honest. And the only downside to it is that the first sprint Costa does in the second half, he pulls a hamstring. And and yeah, it looked a, 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 it looked a severe one, old. didn't it? Yeah. <laughs> He's younger than Suarez. <laughs> That's the problem. It's just it, you, it, it's it's a, but the, the pair of them playing together um, had potential. There's not not going to be a centre back pairing anywhere that will enjoy um, ninety minutes playing against Suarez and Costa if they get the right service. And I thought it linked up well. Costa was involved in in the first goal for for Luis Suarez, involved in the build up. He, he gave Suarez an excellent chance. At, at the moment, he did his hamstring injury when he broke in behind and squared it. The relationship between the two of them looks full of respect, so that therefore they're trying to help each other out as well. Um, so I think that has a lot of promise. The problem is going to be keeping you know Costa fit. Um, so that Simeone is going to have to manage that properly. It was a it was a weird eleven as well, wasn't it? From Atletico Madrid, a few injuries have you know enforced the, the changes on it on Simeone. When I saw the starting lineup, I thought, hmm, I'm not sure they're going to you know get the three points here. Um, I know they kept a clean sheet, but that was down to Oblak, who was in fine form. Um, it's not often they need Oblak to play as well as he did at the weekend. So therefore, you can understand Oscar Garcia saying. He was pleased with his team's performance. I think he's correct in, in, in saying that. But ultimately, we're talking about Sevilla getting beat, Real Madrid getting beat, Barcelona getting beat. The only unbeaten team in La Liga now, surprise, surprise, Atletico Madrid. Um, they did keep a clean sheet because when their defence wasn't in, in their best form, they have a goalkeeper who keeps the, you know, keeps the, the opposition out. Um, but it, it was a strange starting lineup. Lots of players missing. Um, as we said, you know, Torreira coming in as well for his debut. I thought he looked a good fit for an Atletico Madrid and for Simeone. But, you know, there was, as I say, it was surprising that João Felix was on the bench. He came off to to, to have, a, have an impact, although his overall play was awful. He was giving the ball away left, right and centre at one nil up, which must have been driving Simeone mad. And then he has a brilliant piece of skill to initially set up the chance. And then he has a strike that hits the crossbar. It's a wonderful attempt at goal. Carrasco gets the, the rebound in to, to make it 2-0. So they have the talent at Atletico Madrid. Simeone will be looking at that league now and thinking we're the only team that haven't been beaten. They have only conceded one goal so far as well. I know it's only, they've only played four games, but that's more like it from, from Atletico. They conceded more goals last season than, than normal. So this was... You know, an, an, an interesting performance from Atletico. Thomas Lamar probably didn't grab and make the most of his one of his rare opportunities. Hermoso wasn't particularly great. Ended up playing left back because Manu Sanchez, the youngster who who actually looked good going forward, but was part of a back four, and he was probably the weakest part of a back four that conceded far too many chances. Hence why Hermoso went to left back, and Felipe came on, who who had a torrid time in the spell that he was on. Probably should have got sent off. And and all these factors I'm talking about, yeah, Atletico still got the win and still kept a clean sheet. So Simeone would be delighted with the, with the outcome, um, but would expect better in terms of performance um, from a more regular-looking starting lineup for Atletico. Uh, right, we're going to play some adverts too. But let me, can, I, can I just briefly do a quick advert for everybody? Uh, I haven't mentioned it a lot because it wasn't available for sale, but I've written a book, everybody. Uh, and it's called The 50 Football's Most Influential Players. Uh, it's available on Pitch Publishing. At some point, 
uh, I could talk about it for hours in truth. So at some point I will, um, I'll, I'll tell you about it at length, Terry, but there are 13 of the 50 players, there are 13 of them uh, who played in La Liga. And, and so the, the big names, I think most of the names you'd expect are in there, one or two that you might be unhappy that are, are missing, but uh, Di Stefano is the first of the uh, Spanish-based players, Pushkas, and all, all the way through, uh, so Cruyff and Zidane, Ronaldo, uh, all the way through Messi, and then I think Xavi is the uh, the latest La Liga player. So there we are, buy, buy my book, that would be nice. And um, we will be back, uh, so uh, yeah, I, I will, I'll, you know, we'll have a, a longer chat about it at some point, but uh, we'll be back with the rest of La Liga uh, in a minute. <laughs> A little flexibility can go a long way. By refinancing your newer used auto loan with PenFed, you can lower your monthly payments for more flexibility in your budget. You can even schedule your first payment for up to 60 days from the date of your refinance. Calculate how much you could save at PenFed.org slash auto refi or call 1-800-247-5626 to apply. Membership is open to everyone. To receive any advertised product, you must become a member of PenFed, insured by NCUA. Welcome back. There are Champions League and Europa League ties coming up this week. We'll have a special Patreon-only review of those games later in the week. So it's patreon.com slash LTEL. Pay money to, to join in that. Just because, you know, we're, we're old-fashioned and we want to get paid occasionally for, uh, for broadcasting. I know the kids don't do it that way. Uh, uh, Terry, are there any, are there any other big games coming up this weekend? Uh, Coming up this weekend, yeah, um, yeah. I can think of I can think of one, John. Yeah, so, <laughs> UK and Ireland time. It's a three o'clock Saturday. El Clasico is being shown radically at that time on the TV, so you can get it on La Liga TV, which I think you can get for a year for roughly the price of three Fulham games uh, in the, the in the Premier League at the moment. <laughs> the only downside is the endless repetition of the frankly weird promos, but you know, for the for the price of all that Spanish football, it's it's. It's worth it. So the Classico is coming up. So we'll be talking about that next week, uh, as well as the Patreon-only stuff as well. Right then, let's go on to the second best team in La Liga, uh, Terry, which is Villarreal, of course. Uh, so they beat Valencia by two goals. And naturally, the goal scorers, Paco Alcácer with an early penalty. Gerest then uh, reminded us why we like him so much with a fabulous goal. But um, it had to be Danny Parejo uh, with a winner for Villarreal. Terry, who was, who was second in the league under the... The genius uh, Unai Emery. Yeah, and you know you, they're a good team. They've got good players, and I think it by accident they've fell into this new system of play with three midfield players, and Danny Pereira becomes a better player in a midfield three. It's simple as that. It's not something Unai Emery wanted to do at the start of the season because we saw him playing four four two. Yeah, it was again in the second half against Villarreal that they went to a four three three. Um, and, and the goal stopped going in. And since then, he, he's quite rightly decided to continue playing the 4-3-3 with Gerard Moreno out wide on the right, Moigoma is up uh, out on the left, Paco Alcázar. He allowed Trigueros to come in, and and, and, he, and he brought in Ibora, who, again, Coquelin was injured, so he had to bring in Ibora. But I think the, the midfield three of Ibora, Parejo, Trigueros fits perfectly. Um, at the weekend, Gerard Moreno was injured. Chukwesi come come in on, on the right-hand side. Very, very good player. So they've got good players, a good team, solid back four. 
and and things are, are generally going well for VRL. So it, it wasn't a fantastic performance. Don't get me wrong. I think we have to give credit to Valencia. They were in the game for a large period of the match, and and it and it was close. I mean, Valencia only conceded that the, the first goal was a penalty. The second goal was a a, a deflection. Let's, let's be honest. From Parejo, he has the attempt, and the deflection takes it past Dominic in goal. But it wasn't a convincing performance from VRL because I thought Valencia were, were, you know, could show good spirit. That they're lacking the quality of that. There's, there's no doubt. So VRL did what they had to do. They, they got the win. As I say, missing Gerard Moreno is probably their best player now. Um, so Uno Emery, a, a tidy three points, and he's a former Valencia manager. Coquelin come on for VRL, former Valencia player. Alcasa, Parejo, former Valencia players get the goals. It was, it was. Inevitable that somewhere along the line, with so many ex-Valencia people involved, that one of them was going to play a part in in the outcome, and and you know two of them did. Uh, right. So let's go to the top, shall we? So Real Betis nil, Real Sociedad three, four two, uh, on the end of a really good cross by Atabal. Atabal then scored a penalty. Yanazai then lashed one in. Really good goal, but uh, Betis. Quite, actually quite dignified about it, really, because they, they definitely had the, the worst of the, the VARs uh, in that one. I, I am I am obviously joking when I say that there's a great big conspiracy to have Real Sociedad win the league, um, but <laughs> you can understand why Betis fans would be unhappy. Yeah, when you look at the, the 90 minutes and the, the state of Betis at the end of the match, it, it could be easy to be critical because they were all over the place, but they were chasing a game. And, you know, Ralph Sociedad have outstanding players that can take advantage of being 1-0 ahead, hit you on the counter-attack. They even had, good, you know, really good players that come off the bench. You know, and Isaac and Yanazai who had an impact. Betis, though, until the first goal, it was even. It was competitive. It was a decent performance from Betis, decent performance from Ralph Sociedad. Porto gets the first goal in the 43rd minute. And then, as I said, the nature of the game changes. And then, you know, Betis brought on Sanabria. I, I feel for the strikers, the three of them, Loren Moron, Borja Iglesias started the game. Sanabria come on for him at half-time. Not one of them has scored a goal this season. It can't be a fact that all three are poor at doing their job. So that's the bigger picture for Betis. They somehow have to find a system of play that allows their centre-forwards to start scoring goals because the chances they get are few and far between. Borja Iglesias ran around, he worked hard, showed good spirit, he was willing, never had an attempt on goal, was never presented with an attempt in terms of getting on the end of a cross, a ball down the channel. So that's a bigger picture, a bigger problem for Pellegrini to solve. The, the VAR decisions, the, 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 it brings into question again the lines that we see on television. The line was on the bicep of Sanabria. There was all loads of pictures on social media of bodybuilders with great big biceps <laughs> explaining <laughs> and saying it was this is Antonio Sanabria, his bicep was offside with someone with like a 40-inch bicep doing a push-up. Um, it was on his bicep. If you moved that line back to the shoulder, where I think it should be, he's onside. Yeah, but it's the, but the, the line was in his bicep, the, in the, the middle, in the yeah, belly of but the, the bicep. The change of the handball or has changed the offside law, hasn't it, inadvertently? Because because now handball goes from your... So you're allowed to use your T-shirt. So It's wrong. Yeah, that's yeah, wrong. Yeah, but that's, I don't care where it is. Yeah. It's wrong. Yeah. 
Well, that's, you know, thanks to David Ellery and Doug Kalina and, and you know, yeah. these guys who somehow have taken control of football. We didn't know. I don't remember voting for these ex-referees to suddenly take over and start making laws, but they are. And so that's, yeah. that's where that's come from, isn't it? Because you can't, so you can't be done for handball if, it's you, if you're wearing a T-shirt on the, on the T-shirt material, you're fine. So they've now started going offside. But it's ridiculous. It, and it's very simply yeah. solved. You just have a margin, a, a striker margin for error. You just give the striker um, 30 centimetres or something uh, from where you draw that line. And then everything that looks, or, or you give the, the VAR 10 seconds to make a decision. And if it looks roughly on, then it's on. If he, go, if he goes back to his shoulder, which we have seen on some, it is the shoulder. Yeah, you see some of those lines in the Premier League, in La Liga. Sometimes they do the line on the shoulder. In this one, it was on the belly of the arm. It was on the bicep. Yeah, but this and, and that difference, the, the, the difference, yeah. yeah, that difference meant that it was disallowed. Yeah. Um, and if it had gone back to his shoulder, it would have been onside. But there are other instances that we've seen over the weekend where it was on the, the line was on the player's shoulder rather than the bicep. So it, it, I thought it was onside. I thought he should have been given. As for the, the penalty appeal, I, I'm flabbergasted. I really am. Um, Sanabria has got his arm. They're, old, they're practically holding hands, aren't they? Yeah. But in Sanabria, it's, it, that happens in every corner, every set piece, every cross into the box if a defender can do it. So you, you're not sure who's grabbing who. But you can clearly see who's grabbing who when Robin Lennon and just pulls the shirt as Sanabria steps away to try and attempt a, a volley and overhead kick. And to the extent his shirt is ripped. I was flabbergasted that it wasn't given as a penalty. And then to make matters worse for Betis, it was given a, as a free kick against Sanabria. Yeah. Well, that was the only and, way they could get out of it, wasn't it? To, yeah. Almost to hide a mistake is what I'm sort of alleging there as that has happened. You know, it's not. A conspiracy, I suspect. I don't know. I, I don't know why they don't want to give it, but then they say, Oh, well, I'll give the free kick the other way because otherwise you have to explain why Snappy is not wearing his shirt anymore because he's had his shirt with him. <laughs> oh. um, yeah, I was flabbergasted. They're holding, they both got each other's hand. Mm. That's that's what you call a defender touch tight. So you touch tight, you, literally, you touch tight. You get close to the player you're marking, yeah. and there will be an element of grabbing hold yeah. of a player. It's a contact sport, so it's fine. Try, yeah. yeah, try not to grab the shirt. Yeah. Um, but you will be grabbing. And Sanabria is well within his rights to be sort of grappling as well. Then the initial movement when the cross comes into the box, Sanabria is moving away from Lenormand. He doesn't want to be grabbing the defender to keep him close. He wants to get away from him. So that's what the, the theory behind it is. As a defender, you want to make sure they're close. So you're grabbing. I wish people could see me now. I'm grabbing, I'm pulling, I'm demonstrating how it is. It's futile, of course. Um, so Sanabria is trying to get away at the important moment and the shirt pull is obvious. It was an obvious penalty. So therefore, if you're looking at the 90 minutes as a whole, if Betis get those decisions early in the second half, when it is 1-0, um, if they get one and score a goal and we're back on level terms, I would imagine the rest of the game might have been a bit more regular in terms of their performance. It wasn't. They didn't get those goals. So then more substitutes get, get brought on. I have to be honest, they lost their shape particularly when Joaquin and Canales went off. Fekir is, is too quiet this season. He needs to be doing better. And again, it's another element of how can Pellegrini make this team into a team that, that can create more chances for the strikers. Players like Fekir need to be playing better, need to be more creative. He needs to be amongst the goals. He needs to be making chances. Um, there's nothing worse than a striker playing week in, week out 
and you come off the pitch and you go, I haven't had an attempt to go on that. I haven't had a cross to attack. I haven't had a cutback from the byline to get on the end of. I haven't had a through ball from a midfield player to, to get on the end of. Um, so there's, there's some issues for, for Betis. Claudio Bravo is something up after the game. We cannot be great one week and poor the next week. There has to be something in the, in the middle where they're consistently you know, a decent team week in, week out. Um, right, what's the state? Oh, we've got some more games to come, but uh, I've got a question. Bernie, uh, he, he forwarded on a message from uh, Colin Miller, a uh, friend of the pod um, and uh, Football Espana editor. Now, he gave some stats. It's slightly out of date now, uh, but both teams had scored in three of the last 26 games. So that's so at least one of the teams had a zero against their name in 23 out of 26, and it was seven out of 50. Um, so Colin's question was that is has the football become too reactive this season? Is that the way that the teams have reacted to the unusual situation, the unusual demands upon them this season uh, by by essentially being too defensive and, and waiting to see what the other team is doing? So you've ended up in a situation where you keep getting teams failing to score. Yeah, the very possibly. I think it's a you know it's a, a an extreme difference, isn't it, to the Premier League where we're seeing there's there isn't a pattern. Forming that yeah. tells you, no, there's no oh, this is why. No, this is why it's happening. We're we're not getting the high-scoring games that the Premier League are getting. So there there is no no real sense to it. I think there's a a pattern maybe of teams being better organised. Um, as I mentioned earlier in the podcast, they're not willing just to turn up and get rolled over six seven nil by Barcelona and Real Madrid. Um, so it is more competitive. Um, but in particular in this game, I think the well, Sociedad reacted well. They got the opening goal. Um, and I'm ranting about Betis there and the focus was on them. Real Sociedad were brilliant, particularly in the second half. I mean, they, they, they've got some some class players. The defensive side of the team is getting better as well. David Silva is getting better with every game. I think that was his best game for Real Sociedad since he's returned. I think the rest of the players are now getting in sync with him. You see some of his passes are familiar to what we've seen him do for Spain and to Manchester City. And now the likes of Oyazabal and Isaac and Yanazai and Porto are reading them, getting on the end of them. The positions they're offering up are, are more frequent for him to find them. So Real Sociedad were, were deserved winners in that game, no doubt whatsoever. And, you know, it's it's great to see a very young team um, flourishing. But I think that it's it, there's no sort of reason, is there, for, you know, why we're seeing tighter defences in La Liga to the Premier League. It's it's hard to put your finger on it. Um, yeah. But it's no doubt this season is going to be different. Right then. Uh, a few more games to get through. We'll rattle through them. Uh, Huesca 2, Valladolid 2. It's actually a good game, wasn't it? And, and Sandro, with literally his first touch, I think, isn't it, as, as a Huesca player gets the, gets the equalising goal? Yeah, I mean, it, 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 the, the two goals, I mean, Huesca, in commentary, um, we were told they take 29 shots to score a goal. Yeah. <laughs> That's their problem this year. I mean, and again, in this game, they had 60% possession against 34%. They had more attempts on goal. They create the chances. They're just not, as yet, efficient in taking them. And that might be too flippant in saying that because... They created chances. They were denied by good saves. They were not golden chances. They were not clear-cut chances that we saw in some of the other games where players missed. They were decent chances, and you know they were unlucky not to score them. But it, to, for Vida did to go two 0 up away from home. <laughs> Mention that word again. 
away from home against a team that they expect to be in a similar position in the league table. It will go down as a failure. Their big failure was they went two up from Werder Rubio with a penalty, and it took literally ten seconds from kickoff yeah. for Rafa Mir to equalise. Yeah. That is criminal in football. Yeah, and Br- I mean, they, it was Bruno, wasn't a it? minute, thirty seconds, a minute or something. You might they, they might get away with that. Ten seconds. I had to score a goal from kickoff, and ten, 10 seconds later, you're through on goal with just the goalie to be it was, it, against a team that starts with a, on a. With every player in the defensive half, yeah. impossible um, to set up and do. It was they did. Bruno, wasn't he? Who scored the first goal? Yeah. Who literally? I, I can't understand what he did. He, he sort of ran no. off the ball, didn't he? Like totally, yeah. totally break down in concentration or something. Yeah, and then that changed the game. And then you know, from two 0 dead and buried, um, then suddenly within ten seconds, the scoreline changes. There's reactive play there from Vardilid. There's reactive play from from Abar as well. And then it was quite a net little spell. We had, you know, three goals, didn't we? And, and I'm looking at the time, five minutes, three goals in five minutes. So if I did it go two new up, Rafi Miri gets one back within 10 seconds. And then they chuck on Sandro um, after 56 minutes. So they've got a free kick at the time, haven't they? Mm. And he mm. runs onto the pitch. He's pumped up. He's fired up. Runs into the penalty area. There's a header, a save. And he gets the rebound with his first touch for his new club. And he was on the pitch literally seconds before he scored. So quite freakish that, you know, the goals for Huesca, which they deserved a point at the very least. Um, how they got back in the game, as I say, with the 10-second reply on the, the first goal. And then, a, you know, a player scoring with his first touch within seconds of coming on for the, the second goal. So I think honours were even in, in that game. Huesca had more of the ball, of course, but... They'll be kicking themselves. That's not like them to make those mistakes defensively. Um, and they need to do something to tighten that up. One or two players missing still in defence. So, you know, I think that Viadilid, looking at that game. Uh, you know what? I think uh, I have no idea now who's going to get relegated this season because of the how decent the, the three newly promoted teams have been. So, Alaves nil, Elche 2. Um, Athletic 2, Levante nil. And Abar nil, Osasuna nil. So they're 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 candidates. Yeah, Abar nil, Osasuna nil. It, it was it wasn't a great game to watch. I have to be honest. Um, there wasn't too many chances in that game. Um, I would look at Alaves as suffering at the moment. Although in this game we have to take it in general. It's a poor result. You look at the result and face value. If people haven't watched the game, actually that was another one that, that was that was really close. I mean, it was Alaves at least in this game had more chances. Um, whereas in the past, in the last few weeks, they haven't been as frequent. They relied on Lucas Perez to come off the bench the other week to get the winning, to get them the winner. And in this game, there was a constant flow of attacking football. Um, so I think that the, the West, uh, Elche have got a, a good system of play. Um, a team that's full of Argentinians and South Americans with a new manager from from South America. Don't write them off in in doing something this year because I've been impressed with them. Now, they were one of my candidates, the obvious candidates, yeah. to get relegated because they had such little time to prepare. They have just finished, obviously, with the window closing. There's still players making their debut at the weekend, and they looked particularly impressive. So don't write LJ off from, from being well out of the relegation issue because I think but the work they've done in the transfer window, um, players that we don't know too much about, 
Um, Tete Marinti, for instance, scored the, the second goal. A, a player that I've, I'm looking at and I'm seeing he's got all the attributes that you, you want from a player that can play in La Liga. Decent footballer, 23 years of age. I think they bought him for 450,000 euros from Malaga. So you look at some of the other players that were making their debuts that we don't know anything about, and, and they look a half-decent team. So that was close. The second goal killed the game off. It was late in the match. Up until that point, Alaves had as much chance of equalising as they as Elche did get in the second. So it wasn't a, a, a terrible performance from Alaves, but a terrible result, obviously. Uh, were Athletic better? Athletic, yes, they were. I think they were. But uh, it has to be qualified with Levante Ruffo. Absolutely terrible. Um, started the game with Gonzalo Milero and Morales up front, and there was never an outball. And it was just constant pressure from Athletic. The the white the pressure was lifted when they 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 got the first goal. Berenger is making a difference as well. You know, I think he, he looks at a, a good player. I remember him from Osasuna, and now he, he's, he's pitched out. I think they bought him from Torino for about ten million pound. A rare opportunity to buy a player. And he looks like he will make a difference. And he looked like one of those players that wasn't influenced by the how they've been playing in recent weeks. A new player, breath of fresh air, but, although I hate that cliche, but he did look like that. Um, he made a difference and Yaki Williams gets his goal. And the instant change in, in Yaki Williams after he scored, he looked immediately looked faster, quicker, sharper, stronger. Uh, you know, that, that, that just goes to show we can't underestimate that weight of pressure on any player that's failing to score goals and then it had you know the relief when you score and it's like you know signing a new player um so i think athletic they were better still need to sort out who's playing up front the positions around the top end of the pitch do need resolving i think they're better with Raul garcia even in this game when he went forward and he stayed in the middle and he went higher up the pitch his just sheer physical presence causes problems. He's effective. And I think Nyaki Williams should play around him. Mignane would be the disappointment. Again, he, he didn't play well. Um, and his position, you know, as a the, the captain, as the leader of Athletic Club, his position in the starting eleven must be under pressure now um, because other players are coming in and, and you know, doing a, a fine job. So it's uh, it was definitely better from Athletic. Mm-hmm. Terrible from Levante. Poor attitude and, and got what I deserved. The result should have been heavier for Athletic Club. Uh, right, we will leave it there. So as I said, there are Champions League, Europa League ties coming this week. We'll have a Patreon-only look at that later on in the week. And I look forward to the Classico as well. So UK and Ireland time, that's 3 o'clock Saturday afternoon. You can watch it. Uh, enjoy El Clasico no matter where you watch it in the world. And we will be back reviewing everything from La Liga next week. We'll see you then. Bye-bye.
To show you how easy it is to file a claim with GEICO, we hired fitness celebrity Billy Blanks. Okay, everybody, our car just got a broken windshield. How about we blow off some steam? Now punch, now kick. Uh, Mr. Blanks, there's no need to be stressed. GEICO makes it easy to file a claim online, on the app, or over the phone. Yeah, but what if I never hear back? That's going to make me want to go jab and jab. Uh, nope. Your GEICO claims team is always there for you. Okay, do I still get my post-workout protein shake? Sure, Billy. GEICO, great service without all the drama. 